The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. How many of you have ever heard the expression, money is the root of all evil? Show of hands, have you heard this expression? Money is the root of all evil. And that's from the Bible, right? And uh, who said it? The answer is always Jesus, uh, right? (laughs) Except this time. It wasn't Jesus, it was Paul. Uh, he's, he's a good second answer if you ever get, get it wrong. You say Jesus and somebody says, nope, you say Paul. Um, they say no, then, uh, I don't know, David. But you, Jesus didn't say it and Paul didn't actually say this, did he? What Paul said in the uh, letter that he wrote to Timothy is that the love of money is a root of of all kinds of evil. Now, we've only changed a few words here, but that's a pretty big difference in meaning. I think that you will agree. Um, I submit that uh, for your consideration because it's, a, it's one of a lot of places. I don't know how many I could think of just off the top of my head. In, uh, in the Bible, where somebody where you think something's in the Bible and it's not, or you think it's in the Bible one way and it's actually a different way, You know, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, No. Um, That kind of thing. Money is the root of all evil. Not exactly what he said. And uh, we'll we'll come back to this concept at the very end this this morning. But uh, we are talking about money today as part of our Matters of Life and Death series. Now, remember, we are... um, We are operating... For the purposes of this series, we're operating under the assumption, which I think is a safe one that uh, Jesus is not going to demand of us our untimely death. And so we're asking the question, how do we live for Jesus? How do we, how do we, how do we surrender our lives to him um, in a way that doesn't actually result in us dead? <laughs> so how can we serve Jesus with our whole lives every day? This is the question we're returning to each week during this series. And it's really, as I said last week, not so much a series about matters of life and death, but it's about matters of life, and today's matter of life is money. Now, if you're here last week, you know that our foundational Bible passage for this whole series is Luke 9, 23 through 25. And uh, I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out, and probably even if you brought one with you, unless it's an NRSV translation, you probably want to get the red ones underneath, because I'm going to ask us to say these words together. Um, now, if you, if you got one of the cards that got passed around, you um, already have it in the translation that we're going to use, so you don't necessarily need to look it up. But if you are looking it up in the Red Bibles, it's page 842. And by the way, it's been a while since I said this, and I know some of you are getting to that page, so I'll just pause here to say, if you don't own a Bible and would like a Bible, you can take one of these Red Bibles home with you and keep it. It's our gift to you. We buy them by the case um, every few months. We have enough to fit under every chair, and then Suddenly, we don't anymore, which is a good thing because it means people are taking the Bible home, and uh, you're welcome to do that. Anytime you want, take one of these home. We also have some other little paperback Bibles floating around that 
uh, you're welcome to take. They're a slightly different translation, but it's just as good. Um, and you could take one of those if you prefer paperback for whatever reason, if you want something to throw in a backpack or something. Okay, so let's read this together now. Um, chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. Okay? Then he said to them all, Um, that's our key passage for this whole series. And I had somebody come to me, a couple of different people came to me last week and said, hey, I've always struggled with that passage. What does it mean? And I said, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> uh, we're just going to look at it together through this series. And um, maybe uh, if, if you're confused by this very difficult passage, um, you know, meditate on it. Ask God to show you what it might mean for you. And we'll talk about a number of specific things as we go through it. I also want to remind you that you have homework during this series. Your homework is to memorize that passage. That's why I gave you the little memory cards. Um, tape that to your bathroom mirror or, um, I was going to say your dashboard, but that's probably not safe. Um, <laughs> tape it somewhere where you'll see it um, numerous times a day. And uh, we're going to work together to memorize this so that as we recite it each week, maybe you'll need the, the printed word less and less. Um, memorization of Scripture is a really great discipline. We'd, we'd haven't done much in the way of encouraging you to do that over the years, but I'd, I think I'd like to start, and this is, this is the first example of that. All right? And then finally, one last kind of uh, housekeeping thing for the series before we get into the topic of money, and that is that I want to remind you that the final topic of the series, the last week of the series on February 19th, is going to be decided by you. Um, so here are the topics we're, we've covered already and we will cover during the series um, last week was work, today is money. Next week we take a break from the topic for our fifth Sunday festival, which is, uh, you know, different music, no, no preaching. Instead you hear people's stories of their own faith. Uh, we have a big potluck afterwards, so if you've never been to a fifth Sunday festival, definitely want to make your way out for that next week. We resume the series on the fifth. Pastor Mike's going to be talking about matters of life and death, matters of life with uh, loved ones. Then on the 12th, we have a, a topic. The topic is your mind and your intellect. How do you live for Jesus every day with your intellect? And then the 19th is the last week of the series, and we don't have a topic set for that. Last week and today, we are taking nominations. So that's why I asked you to have your info card handy. Uh, I don't have my info card handy, but you know what they look like? Just, there it is. They look like this. Um, you can... <laughs> You can, uh, as usual, put your email address or prayer request or anything else on that card. But today, I would like to ask you all, to, if you haven't already, to write down a topic, matters of life that you would like to hear a message on. Uh, how do we live for Jesus every day, every moment of every day, for the rest of our lives on that topic? And we got a bunch of nominations last week. I, there's, there's one that's kind of surprised me that a number of people suggested, so I won't, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to sway you, but... If you haven't nominated something yet, or if you have another one you'd like to nominate, today is your last chance to do that. After this, it's going to go on a, a poll on our Facebook page, which is, um, which is, <laughs> did I not give you the slide? I'm sorry. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, if I'm, uh, if I'm going to do something goofy like that, I should really tell them in advance. <laughs> um, this is our Facebook page. 
uh, if you're not a fan or a like us or whatever, whatever little codependent thing that <laughs> there is with Facebook pages, um, go ahead and do that. You know, go like us and make us feel good about ourselves. Um, then you will see when we put the poll up um, early this week with the topics that are suggested, well, and you can vote and whatever, you know, we'll give that about a week and then that'll be our topic and we'll announce that um, next week or the week after. Okay? Fair enough. So write down your suggestions today, put them in the offering basket or the black box at the back and we'll take those nominations one more time. Okay, so today is, as I mentioned before, money. Matters of life, money. How do we serve Jesus every day when it comes to our money? <clears throat> now, I'm betting a lot of you um, stayed home today <laughs> uh, or you are expecting a, a sermon about tithing. If you grew up in the church or if you've spent a lot of time in church as I have, uh, you're almost guaranteed to be expecting a sermon about tithing. And if you, didn't spend, if you haven't spent a lot of time in church, you don't know what tithing is. And that's okay, too. Um, but let me just say that uh, the, what I think is good news, that this is not going to be a sermon about tithing. Um, but for those of you who don't really understand what tithing is, I'm going to give you a very short snippet of, about what that is. Tithing, the word tithe just literally means one-tenth. And so tithing is the traditional practice uh, within Judaism and, and Christianity and some other faiths to give away 10% of your income to your faith community. Um, and that goes way back into the Old Testament. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff about giving the tithe to God, the first fruits to God. Um, in the Old Testament, it, it generally involved the sacrifice of your livestock, and, and that was your, you know, it, it was not a cash society early on. Uh, so that was, that was kind of the way that was handled. Um, but it's throughout the Old Testament, tithe, tithe, tithe. Now, in the New Testament, it is mentioned because... The New Testament describes the rise of Christianity out of the Jewish faith. So it, it is mentioned. But I, I'm really hard-pressed to find a place in the New Testament where the tithe is listed among the very few things from the Jewish law that Christians are required to observe. Um, so in spite of the fact that, that tithing has been upheld for centuries in the church as a, an expectation, um, I don't actually believe that there's a clear unequivocal biblical mandate for Christians to tithe, um, to give away 10% of their income as a specific amount. Okay. Now, obviously, Christians have to give away their income. We're going to get to that. Um, but the tithe, we, at, at Artisan, we just don't say that, that you have to give 10%. We, um, we consider it a good benchmark, though. I, I personally consider it a good benchmark. It's a starting point for people who uh, maybe haven't given yet and would like to give. 10% is a is, a, is a one kind of bar you could look to. Um, we do a version of the tithe in my family, and I would recommend it as a discipline. Uh, all I'm saying is I just don't think it's necessarily um, intellectually honest to say that this is something that every Christian must do this way. Now, here are my very specific words here. That's the 10% thing that I think is you can't necessarily force somebody to do. <coughs> um, so if we want to serve Jesus with our whole lives, though, um, we, we do have to talk about money because money is, I mean, that's like last week we said work is where you spend most of your time. Money, it might be where you spend most of your stress and where you spend most of your emotional and intellectual energy. And um, we, so we have to include money uh, in, this, in this conversation about uh, serving Jesus every day with everything. 
And I'll just say this. If you thought it was good news that it wasn't going to be a sermon about tithing, and if you went, yes, a second ago when I said that I don't think you have to give 10% as an exact amount, um, you might be saddened to learn that this message, uh, this, this sermon, um, is going to ask you to add a zero to that percentage. <laughs> um, so the t- 10% is not the specific thing um, that you have to worry about. Yeah, the number you have to worry about is 100% of your money. Um, not to say that you have to give 100% of your money to the church, <laughs> although I could drive a really nice car if you did. Um, but the point is, if you want to serve Jesus with 100% of your life, you can't exactly stop at 10% when it comes to your wallet, can you? Especially given how consumed we are with money in our culture. So we have to live every day and spend every dollar uh, with conscious awareness that, that we are serving Jesus. And so what does that look like? Well, you have, to, you have to ask yourself, what did Jesus say about money? And um, sometimes I've heard sermons about what Jesus said about money, and they take one little thing that Jesus said about money, and they say, this is what Jesus says about money. Well, that's true, but Jesus said a lot of things about money. Jesus talked about money a lot. Um, about money and wealth and poverty and all those things. So you can't really get the whole picture of what Jesus says about money in order to serve him in that way by looking at just one story because, you know, sometimes one of his stories, you know, one of the stories in the Gospels about Jesus teaching on money, he's talking to one specific person or to a particular group of people um, or about a specific aspect of money. And so it's hard to apply that kind of thing to your entire life. Uh, and I think you run into trouble when you treat the Bible that way in general, but especially this topic. Um, so that said, there's no way in the time that we have this morning we could look at everything Jesus says about money. So I've made a compromise today, and the compromise is this: I'm going to I'm going to have I'm going to look at have us look at three stories in the New Testament, three stories from the Gospels where Jesus talks about money, and um, hopefully that gives you a sense uh, of a beginning of the breadth of what Jesus has to say on this topic. Now, recognize when you go wider like this and have more than one thing, you can't go as deep. So we're not going to dig quite as hard into each of these topics, each of these passages, each of these stories. Uh, but it's, it's a compromise we have to make because it would not be fair for me to give a whole sermon about money um, and then leave it with one, one story. So these three stories contain specific actions that Jesus praised, condemned, or required of somebody. The first story, uh, Jesus is praising an action undertaken by a poor person. The second story, Jesus is condemning an action undertaken by religious people. And the third story, Jesus is requiring something of a rich person. So praise, condemn, require... Poor, religious, rich. Those are the three stories we're going to talk about today. First one is um, uh, the story of praising a poor person. And it's from Mark chapter 12. I, I don't have these on the screen, but if you'd like to check on the Bible with me, you can, you can look at page 825. Um, and it's verses 41 through 44. Uh, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury, and he's in the synagogue here, and watched the crowd 
putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is a very famous story from the Bible. Many of you have heard this story before. Um, And he's praising this remarkable sacrifice from a person who has almost nothing and decides to give it all. Now notice when he praises her, what he doesn't say, which is what, this is the kind of trickiness you get into. Sometimes people talk about this passage and they say, well, you have to give, everybody has to give everything, especially the poor people. (laughs) Um, What he doesn't say is every poor person should do as this woman has done. What he said is that she has done more than the wealthy people who gave a larger amount. And what that says to me, and this, is, this would be kind of the principal area of this story that you would keep in mind, is that it's not the size of the gift that shows your significance to the kingdom. Uh, it's the size of your sacrifice. And by extension, the, the size of your trust in God's provision. Um, I think once before I have told the story uh, that uh, of my grandmother, who some years ago, maybe a decade ago, was uh, recently widowed. My grandfather had died, and she didn't have very much money. He didn't have insurance. She had Social Security, and she wasn't working anymore, and so she's on a fixed income. And she had some car trouble, and her Social Security check came, and she was telling me this after the fact. She never, ever in a million years would have told me she was doing this in the moment. But she told me after the fact that she had to decide between paying her tithe, because she's one of the old church folks, and you know, 10% to her was the most important number. Um, and I honor that, and I, I think we all should. But she had to choose between giving her 10% tithe to the church or getting her car fixed. And she said, uh, Scotty, because that's what she called me. You're not allowed to, but she did. Um, <laughs> Uh, she said, Scotty, I, uh, ever since I was a little girl, I have always given 10% of every dollar that I received. Um, and I wasn't about to stop now just because I was in a fix. And so she gave the money, and you've heard this kind of story a hundred times. You know, like the next day, a check arrived in the amount that she needed to pay for her car. And so she, here's, a, here's a, a poor widow, you know, probably not as poor as the widow in our story, but she's giving what she feels God has always asked her to give, and he honors that. Um, and so I tell you that story uh, not to brag on my gram, because all of you have grandmothers who do awesome things, but um, to say this to those of you who are poor and who might be thinking, I can't make a difference in the kingdom, um, for what it's worth, my poor grandmother gave her a little amount of money, and God took care of her. But then she told me that story, and I've had the chance to tell that story to hundreds of people. And I think it's been inspiring to at least a few of them uh, who have way more money than she does. <laughs> and so her story actually probably resulted in, in a much larger gift uh, for somebody to give along the way. 
And I don't know exactly how it will work out for you if you're a poor person uh, who's trusting God to take care of you and giving the little that you do have. Um, but I will say that I, I believe with all of my heart that God honors that kind of gift and sacrifice and that there will be some way that that gets worked out um, down the road. So um, don't let the prevailing wisdom of the culture, which is that if you're poor, you don't make any difference, uh, stop you from making whatever difference you can. All right, that's, the, that's the lesson of the widow's uh, might, as the old King James said, the widow's penny. The second story is the story of when Jesus condemned some religious people, and I love when Jesus does this. Um, <laughs> my favorite parts of the Bible are where Jesus is going off on the uh, teachers of the law. Um, you probably like it too because you're like, that's you, buddy. Um, this is from Mark 23. That, no, Matthew 23. Mark doesn't have 23 chapters. That's an, <laughs> I knew something was wrong. Matthew 23. And it's verses 23 and 24. This is in a litany of Jesus condemning the Pharisees, who were the, the smartest, most educated uh, teachers of the law in the entire faith, in, in all the synagogue. And here's what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Isn't that a great expression? You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Like, <laughs> I don't know how gnats and camels would have gotten into your uh, beverage of choice or your, your broth. <laughs> um, but if you're straining out the gnat and then swallowing the camel, you get the point here, right? You're, you're taking care of these little tiny, tiny things that you probably wouldn't even have noticed. Um, and then just completely missing the point and, and swallowing the camel. So uh, don't swallow the camel. <laughs> See, the Pharisees were tithing. They were giving their tenth on everything. And if I know the Pharisees, I bet they were doing it in front of everybody so that everybody would see them. And they were saying, okay, here's one-tenth of my livestock, and here's one-tenth of my, uh, you know, doves, and here's one-tenth of my, oh, I have some spices here. Here's one-tenth of the mint, and here's one-tenth of the dill, and here's one-tenth of the, is it cumin or cumin? I don't know. I don't know. Cumin. I've given 10% about everything. And Jesus says to them, nice work. But you don't seem to care about justice and mercy. And those are the ones you really should have cared about. And sure, don't neglect the other ones. So, as in so many other places in the Bible, we are learning the lesson that you have to go beyond the letter of the law. The Pharisees were observing the letter of the law, but they were missing the spirit of the law entirely. Now, this is the flip side of what I said earlier about tithing not being a, a clear-cut requirement of New Testament people, of Christian people. Um, I think that's true, but that's not. That don't hear me saying, oh, yeah, give whatever you want, less than 10%, 4%, whatever. Because I think actually most of us in the room who are historically wealthy people, um, and even in the present day, globally wealthy people, are called to give more, sometimes much more than 10% of our income. Uh, not necessarily all to your church. Um, but 10%, I mean, we had a, uh, 
there was a moment long ago in my ministry, this is nobody you would ever know, uh, and we were teaching on giving money, and we, we said 10% is, you know, a decent benchmark, and we still say that. In our membership course, we say if you're looking to give and you want a benchmark, 10% is, there's some biblical basis for that. It's a good place to start. And this was a, a fairly wealthy person who had a fairly large income and said, do you, 10%, do you know how much that is? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, I don't know exactly how much it is, but let me give you an example. Let's say you uh, made a million dollars a day, right? Do you think that you could live on 900000 <laughs> Do you think 10% is enough to, get, to give away if you made a million dollars a day? No. None of you think that because none of you make a million dollars a day. <laughs> um, But most of us actually, uh, if we're smart with our money, can live on 90% pretty easily and can make a great deal of difference with the 10 uh, or could live on 80 and make a difference with the 20 or, or you know, some really wealthy people could probably live on 10 and make a difference with the 90. Um, by the way, uh, you, know, you guys know who Rick Warren is? He's a megachurch pastor in California, wrote this book, made a, a zillion dollars, takes a lot of flack for it, but uh, he... he uh, says that he, he and his wife are reverse tithers, and they live on the 10% and they give away 90. Uh, and I think that's awesome. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that all of you have to do that same thing. Um, but this is, this is what it means. I mean, if, if you're, don't get hung up on that 10% number. That's one of the reasons why we don't prescribe it. Not to make it easier on you, it's to make it harder. So, okay, that's the second story. The third story is when Jesus required something of a rich person. And uh, this is another famous story in the Bible. Matthew 19, it's on page 800, starting in verse 16. Uh, this is, then someone came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? (laughs) And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Some of the Ten Commandments in there, the big ones. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So the lesson here is don't ever bug Jesus. (laughs) Don't ever go to Jesus and say, Jesus... What is the absolute minimum I must do (laughs) to get into heaven? Because Jesus is not about the minimum. The whole point of this series, that's the meaning of that passage that that we recited together at the beginning. Jesus doesn't want the minimum. Jesus wants it all. He wants your whole life, every day, every hour, every minute, every penny, 
And that's not to say that Jesus is going to require all of you to give everything that you have and donate to the poor and live a, a cloistered life of poverty. I don't think that's true any more than it's true that, based on Luke 9, that Jesus is going to ask all of you to die for him. But it's the, the, the more your attitude is, what is the minimum I can do? I think the more likely it is that Jesus is going to require the maximum from you. <laughs> because Jesus has this way of getting right to the heart of what you are grabbing onto and won't let go of and saying, that's actually what I want. That's the thing for you. And for this rich young man who had many possessions, it was his money. It might not be for you, but it might. The point is, Jesus wants your everything. Those who lose their life for my sake will save it. So as we wrap up here, let me take you back to that um, verse that, that we looked at at the beginning of the time together from 1 Timothy is where, it's, where, it, where it is. It's the money is the root of all evil passage. It doesn't actually say money is the root of all evil. What does it say? The love of money is the root of what? All kinds of evil, right. So money is not the root of every evil. Loving money is the root of a lot of different evil. But I think this passage contains a wonderful summary of the, of the problem that some of us have with money, specifically the problem that we have with living 100% for Jesus when it comes to our money. And if you're following along, page 965, Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he says, um, Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. There's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Godliness and contentment. I wonder, do those two words accurately describe your own interaction with money? If not, then you probably have some work to do. Uh, Because the fairly clear message here seems to be, if you love money, you are running the risk of destroying your faith. Now that seems like a non sequitur, doesn't it? Why would you say if you love money, then your faith is going to go off the rails? Well, it is a root of all kinds of evil, loving money. And uh, Paul is saying what I think a lot of us have witnessed, that the eagerness to become rich becomes a, a, a distraction from everything that matters, including, and most especially, your relationship with God and your dedication to the service of Jesus. Um, After all, it was Jesus himself who said, no one can serve two masters, 
For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. See, having money and spending money, wanting money, needing money, saving money, giving money away, none of those things in and of themselves are, are the correct indication that your heart is right, that you are willing to lose your life for Jesus in the sense that we're talking about during this Matters of Life and Death series. The only indication that your heart is right with Jesus in that way is that you are serving God above money, is that God is your master, not wealth. Now, recognize that wealth can be your master even if you don't have any of it. (laughs) So in these last few minutes, I want you to, to think about this question. Who is your true master? You can leave that up there for, for a minute, Avila, while we're contemplating this. Who is your true master? Is it God or is it wealth? Some of the ways you might come up with an answer to that question is to think about how you spend your time. Does it, the way you spend your time represent your service to God or your service to money? Another thing you might think about is, is what portion of your thoughts are dedicated to each of these masters. Do you spend more time thinking about money than thinking about God? Um, I probably shouldn't ask that question uh, of myself. That's a hard one. You could also think back over the last, say, couple of days or a couple of weeks about what you've been talking about. Do the words that come out of your mouth indicate that you are preoccupied with money or preoccupied with God? Lots of other things you could be preoccupied with, but today's question is about those two masters, God and money. And so I'm going to give you a moment or three or four moments of silence to ponder that question. And um, after you're done doing that, you can come and receive communion together. And uh, you can tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the wine or the juice, receive this ancient sacrament as food for your souls and in remembrance of, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. After all, we are looking for ways in which to serve Jesus during this series. Um, and so I'm going to give you a few moments of silence and then uh, our band can come and lead us in some more worship songs. Uh, you can take as much silence as you need and if you're still sitting here when the end of the service comes around, we'll leave the communion up for you. How's that? Uh, But think about who your master really is and respond to God's leading accordingly.